This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop podcast uh, on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Philbin. Hello. And Neil McDonald. Hello. And Matt Addison. Hello. And we're here to discuss all the big talking points from Anfield. And now it's about three weeks since we last got together. Back then, Liverpool had just lost their first game of the season to Manchester City. But Paul, not for the first time, you got your predictions spot on <laughs> and said the next time we got back together that the lead at the top would be greater than four. And that's how it's turned out to be. Well, it has, yeah. I thought it'd be a bit... Uh, bigger than four, uh, five. Sorry, I thought maybe eight, but there's still loads of time for that to happen. Yeah, it's it's five, as we all know, after the uh, the draw with Leicester on Wednesday night at Anfield. Uh, it was the first time that Liverpool have dropped points to a team from outside the top five. And but given the conditions, the injuries at the back, and the suspensions to Jay Milner, do you think it should be considered a good point in the circumstances? It's a, I think it is a good point like long term like short term you look at it go Leicester their own we should be beating them but they've still got to play City and they will frustrate City just like they've done with us and no matter what we weren't going to go the whole season beating every single side outside the top six you'd rather it be now where you drop two points than in April when we play a Cardiff away and it's three points it's people the fans just see I've mentioned it before it feels like the fans think it's like a game of FIFA where you just beat everybody and that's just not the case you're going to drop points City are going to drop more points teams like Leicester are going to pick up points against sides in the top six but their record if you look over the last few years is good against top six sides so it's going to happen and out of the remaining home games apart from Chelsea Tottenham you look at that and it's like that's the difficult one and then out after that they should be all pretty reasonable Matt you were there on Wednesday what did you make of it? Yeah I mean first 20 minutes it looked like we might run away with it and then after that for, for whatever reason we didn't quite push on didn't get that second goal um, and I think it was it was one of the poorer performances that we've had this season but it's certainly no reason to panic if you look at the, the context the day before obviously Manchester City lost so we're a point up on them uh, and you know as Paul says Leicester are a good side Leicester beat Manchester City so for us to get a point in terms of that head to head we won up on them as well so it wasn't that good um, but perhaps that's only to be um, that's only to be expected I was to be honest I, I think there's a like a wider point and there's currently perhaps a slight malaise in that we're losing players to injury and they're taking longer to come back than with a thought so the, the squad is is stretched so even though it's only like a short term thing if it was me I would definitely have bought um, another player in the January transfer window be it a, be it a, um, a right back be it someone in you know centre mid be it another I mean whatever I'd have just brought someone in um, with one eye on next season and to think it just lifts the place because I think the, the mood around you get the impression the mood around the team is just how tough this all is because it seems like the squad is being put through the mill um, you know with a few sort of injuries just dragging on and people having to go out of position and the the position of relative strength we had where we had we were able to rest players relatively easily has kind of been ebbed away because of the, the crisis at right back um, so I, th- I think it was disappointing but I think perhaps it's it's been coming. I think the sooner we can actually get some players back and start to have that air of 
being in control again instead of being under strain, the, the better. Were you guys surprised that he didn't make any last-minute additions? I know on the last review from the COP podcast we did, we were wondering if they had a surprise up the sleeve, and it, it didn't prove to be the case. No, as like if we were going to go and sign somebody, it would have been a right-back for me. Not only because of the injuries, but because when Trent is 50, still only a 19-year-old lad, and you can't expect him to play a full season. I suggested Juan Pesaka back in the last podcast, but looking at it, with four, what, 14 league games to go, potentially, what, another seven in Europe, the squad that we've got with everyone fit, who hopefully will be returning shortly, with a break after Bournemouth, we've got the international break and whatnot, the size of our squad and should be able to cope with the rest of the season, really. Yeah, I mean, not signing anyone. I don't think it was a, a surprise. Jurgen Klopp said right from the start that he, he wasn't really interested in, in doing that. Um, obviously, Jordan Henderson had to play it right back the other day. That wasn't ideal. But James Milner will be back by the time we play West Ham. Trent, hopefully, will be back in a couple of weeks. You can kind of see why he's stuck with the lads that we've got. It's always nice to add one or two more, but... Um, I think he has just about got it right. The right-back position, it looks like Trent will be back soon rather than later. It looks like Joe Gomez is going to take longer than first anticipated. Who is the right-back for now then while Trent's out? And who is the backup right-back? You know, we've seen Henderson play there, you know, Fabinho can play there, Camacho had a little go against, against Palace. Who do you think should be the best option? If it's James Milner. Like, he's played there a fair few times for Liverpool. He's played there for Man City and whoever he you can last James Milner anywhere in the pitch and you'll get a performance out of him you might not get as forward as much as a, like Klopp would like his, his full-backs to do but he's pretty solid he knows how to defend he's just a safe option you could, you could take the gamble and go with Henderson again or throw Camacho in there with Fabinho I wouldn't even consider it and it's nothing to do with it, like the fact that he can't play there because he has for Monaco it's how important he is to that midfield like, when he's not playing all of a sudden the midfield looks absolutely lost. Neil, do you agree with that, Fabinho? I know when he came on against City at the start of the new year, what a difference he made on that night. And again, on Wednesday, is he quickly becoming integral player now for, for Jurgen Klopp? I think it, he was always bought to be. You know, they thought they were getting, and, they, and it's proven that they have got um, an elite-level uh, midfielder and a, a definite upgrade. Um, I mean, I guess his versatility is important in that he's played centre back, uh, he can play right back. But this, you see, this is the this is the situation that I think this is again. This is why I think we should have bought someone. Really, we shouldn't be in this in this sort of position where we are struggling to um, to see who plays uh, right back. And the only natural right, and I'm not even sure if he is a natural right back, is Camacho. I thought was he a winger? A winger, yeah. To right back, so it's mad that we're in that. Um, we're in that situation. I mean, Henderson did well, as well as can be expected. Milner did well, albeit against probably the best player in the league outside of the top six. He was on his game, wasn't yeah, he, that day really as well? Yeah, on his game. Um, and also, without much in the way of um, of protection in front of him, I think he, you know, he did well. But if he comes back, you know, and you say, well, let's play Milner there, well, by the time you get to United, you know, he might be up against Rashford, who is probably just as good um, as as Zaha. So 
I'm just yeah, I'm surprised that we didn't get um, we didn't get someone in. I, I would have liked to have seen us at least try. We're recording this the day after the transfer deadline day, and you, it's kind of like the days like this where you assess what's happened. And we've talked about the, the lack of income as well, no income instead. But looking back, taking everything Neil said into consideration now, does the Klein move look a bit look a bit odd kind of thing? Do you think he's forced it through himself because he needed first team football? And Klopp said, you know what, I, I, I can't guarantee that. But do you think he may should have said, no, you're going to stick here? I think everyone thought it was odd when it happened, and I think people thought somebody else was going to be coming in with Klein going out. He played against United, wasn't it? And yeah. he was brilliant. Yeah, like, he was. Yeah. And I think in the games like that, where you do need that cool head and somebody or more defensive thinking in the, like going forward, he's a good option to have. And yeah, I was surprised when that happened, but at the same time, it wasn't because he's a professional footballer. He's a professional footballer who's not young. He, he wants to play football. So for his benefit it was the right move but looking back at it as a Liverpool fan maybe you should have kept hold of him let him get the opportunity to get a few more games this season and maybe pick up a winner's medal which he won't now of course but great position to be in going into February five points cleared at the top uh, but Paul I know it's something that you're, you're really desperate to talk about and I know Matt and the other lads in the post game podcast have talked about it Alain LaRouge that you'll be listening to this uh, this afternoon fellow fans have also talked about it and that was the atmosphere on on, on Wednesday night Uh it's so often the inspiration for, for the team Anfield particularly on European nights but there's been a suggestion that it was a bit of a hindrance almost against Leicester Is that, would that be fair to say or are we being a bit harsh on the fans here? I texted you on Wednesday night after the game and I was texting a few others and glad who I was with and I said that the Anfield crowd is going to decide where the Premier League title goes and it's not it depends how they react to the other night, how it, the rest of the season will go. It was awful. I cannot remember an atmosphere as toxic as that at Anfield for, since the Hodgson days. It was it was as if once we went 1-0 up early, everybody thought, oh, we'll get 2-3 here. And that's not going to be the case always. It, in some games it will be. But every kick, every sideways pass, there was like an anger... And I just didn't understand it because we were one nil up. Yeah, Leicester had five minutes where they had the ball, but that happens in every single game. If Liverpool could play every game away from home from now till the end of the season, they'd absolutely walk the league because the mentality is different with the away following to the home crowd. Also, I feel like the fans. If that was Bayern Munich, if that like that was the Bayern Munich game. We go one nil up in the first five minutes. Bayern Munich might as well get off because. European nights, there's a sense of like we belong here. We're European giants, five European cups, whatnot. You know, you've got no chance coming to Anfield on the European night. And the fans, it seems like they don't think that they belong at the top of the Premier League. It's Liverpool, an unbelievable side who for 24 games this season have been the best team in the, in the country. So believe in them and. Don't worry, it's it's a game, 90 minutes, you're not going to win every game 3-4-0. Sometimes you will have to get the 1-0, 2-0, 2-1 wins, whatever. Uh, and I'm really worried that if they don't get their act together, it's going to go really bad. Like, walking out the ground, I was talking to my brother, I was just like, I said, could see that coming from a mile away. And some fella, honestly, turned to me, he was with his lad and went, 
yeah, watch when we don't win the league, that clops a bottle of. And I was honestly, he said that, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not talking about the performance, mate, I'm just talking about the Anfield crowd, it was a disgrace. And honestly, I wish I would have got off after 10 minutes. I was doing my head in that much. And a few people who who would go to the game had said the Palace was the same. I couldn't go to Crystal Palace because it was in work. And he said it was not as toxic as Leicester, but you could feel the nervousness. Even, like, the songs, they're singing them. There's a nerve to it that doesn't sound the same as with supporting us. It's like the fans want it too much and it's getting desperate. And I understand that, but just have a bit of a reality check and just stay calm. Players like Virgil van Dijk and Alisson, coolest players on the pitch, they look nervous and it's nothing to do with the fact that they're in a title challenge. It's the fact that the fans were on the back. You were there as well. It's strong stuff from Philbo there. Where did that anxiety come from? Because it was such a boost the night before with Rafa doing doing his former club a favour by beating City. Why did it Why did it turn out like that? Is it the desperation because, you know, it is so close? I think so. I think that's what it has to be. We're all so, so desperate for it to happen. We've come close. Uh, obviously, 13, 14, we've been there, not quite got over the line. And, you know... Crystal Palace was a, a similar atmosphere, to be fair. Um, it, I, w- I wouldn't quite describe it as toxic, but if if something went wrong, there was a few mumblings and a few groans. And you've got to look at it in the sense of, on a Champions League night, you can see how much of a, a positive impact the atmosphere has. So by the same logic, if the atmosphere is not there, or it's there in a negative way, it's going to negatively influence the players as well. So I think as fans, we have to sort of take a bit of responsibility almost and learn from that and make sure that, you know, we help out the players as much as possible, as much as we want it and they want it. It's not going to happen if it carries on like that. Two games this season, I've been nervous and it was the derby at home. And that's just because I'm, I hate the derby at home. It's the worst game of the season because one day Everton are going to win at Anfield. So I, meet, I get worked up over that. The other was City away, just because of how big of a game it was. I never, I'm never ever nervous for games apart from like those. Like any other season, it's only the derby at home out of all 38 games where I'm nervous. But in that ground, before before the game it was calm as anything. But as soon as I think it was about the 15th minute where it turned, my I, I had like I had butterflies because I was like, oh, this is going badly wrong. Yeah, you could just feel it coming. <laughs> it didn't really go that wrong because it it was a point, and if it was the other way round. And we got the point and then City lost the next night, everyone would have been buzzing. Or if City won, we won, we'd be buzzing because the gap was four. But, yeah, if Anfield continues to be like that, it's going to be a tough final. Is it seven games at home? It's going to be a tough, 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 tough... Well, how many minutes would that be? 540 minutes or whatever it'll be. <laughs> a lot of stress. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. Like yourself, uh, like myself, I should say, you remember 90 and the, the titles before that in the 80s. You know, was it the same then? You know, was that kind of nerves and tension or was it different because that first title had already been won? I mean, from my memory back then, it was just expected. Um, the thing that you got nervous about was the, um, at, at like the, the size of the win was kind of how it felt in games. You were always confident that you were going to win because we had a very good side, easily the best um, in the league. You know, and some teams would put up stiff competition, but you always had faith, and that was based on 
you know, continual success over the years. You kind of expected it. And, and by and large, in a lot of cases, it was wrapped up with four or five, even longer games to go. Um, so you didn't really have a chance, as, as, at least as far as I can remember, to feel um, nervous. It was only nerves about... Um, how, I mean, this sounds terrible to say, but how many are we going to get? And I think it's it's almost worth saying, like to the fans who are there now, just go home and have a word with your dads. <laughs> because, because, you know, they'll tell you. Um, they'll tell you what it's like. I think, I think you're right. You know, the last thing supporters want to do is transfer their own anxiety onto the um, onto the players. Perhaps it's well, it's as well that the next game is away. Um, you know, so we won't have that um, that sense of nerves. Um, it's, you know, it, but we're not in um, a title race. It's a fact we're not in it often. And it looks now that the way the squad is building under Klopp, this will become perhaps a more regular um, occurrence. Um, you know, Arsenal are still very much rebuilding. Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, United, in a, I mean, doing well under Solskjaer, but in a state of flux. Um, Tottenham, who's to say what's going to happen there? Um, with the manager, you know, may go there in a financial position where they can't really reinforce. So that leaves us in City. Um, we're in a, a fantastic position. Um, we're set up brilliantly as a club. We've got a, a really good squad, albeit one that is under strain at the moment, as I say. Um, so we need to get used to this. You know, I think this is the way it's going to be, at least for the next few years. So, like in the old days, let's just. You know, let's not expect it because it's hard to expect when you haven't done something for so long. But we just, yeah, I think everyone's right. It's just take a, take a step back, enjoy what we're doing, and relish the fact that we're in this. And then if we do that, if that's the attitude that we take, then that that sort of sense of excitement you'd think is a better feeling for the players to pick up on, rather than being nervous with every misplaced pass. Um, you know, this is this is great to be involved in this. I mean, to be honest. Who'd have thought at the start of the season that we were... I didn't. You know, I mean, I, I thought we had we had a chance, but I thought it would be a case of us desperately hanging on to City. And it's the other way round. They're the ones who are trying to hang on to us. And, and you know, let's not forget, we are... The other night, we extended our lead, which is... A, so even though it's a point we extended our lead, um, so let's just... Let's relish it. You know, let's relish being involved in this and having such a good manager and having such a good side... All those things, all those factors don't come around very often. Um, so now we're in the middle of it. You know, that's the feeling I think people should get across is just the enjoyment of being in this position. Um, and if we do that game to game, the rest should take care of itself. I mean, it's a great point. And I think it's almost got lost this week because it felt like an opportunity missed on Wednesday when, as you say, Neil, it actually extended the lead at the top. That If there's any team who are looking like crumbling at the moment, it's City. You know, they lost on, on Tuesday against Newcastle. And I know before that, they went on that mad run of like six wins on the spin, 28 oh, against, goals. Against but against no one. Against no one. Yeah. If you actually look at their last six league games, I reckon they've lost three of them. You know, probably, yeah. probably, you know they, they, they recovered a little bit, didn't they, at Southampton, then obviously won the, the big game at the Etihad at the start of the year. There's not much focus on them at the moment. Go, before we just move on to that, I'd, I'd love to speak to a United fan or somebody who remembers 92-93 when they won the league title after whatever how many years it was to see if Old Trafford was the same or because the desperation would have been the same. Like I was talking to Joe 
uh, I wrote it the other day and like comparing United's first Premier League title after so many years and like just after 24 games they were level with Villa so there's similarities in there but with City, going on to City the media I honestly think go on about City like soon as they start winning one or two games they will just they're the best team ever because because the how they win when it it's not the one nil wins it's four five six seven and what was it the other week nine, nine or something. against <laughs> it, it, ridiculous but the way um, somebody on Sky did we like I think it was maybe Paul Mason like City are unstoppable I have to beat Rotherham or something it was like they're not unstoppable they have lost a few games recently remember that they have been playing Bert in Rotherham Burnley at home for about the 400th time this season <laughs> so yeah you got a nice throw in the fifth round as well haven't they in the cup <laughs> yeah spotted, spotted that I mean it's I always think with City because they dominate teams to such a degree and a lot of teams just throw it in almost before they start I think that they have an issue when they come up against teams that don't do that because that's why I think they haven't had haven't had that same level of success or any success in the Champions League because in the latter stages they come up against teams who don't roll over and almost all of their games going into those matches are against teams who do mm-hmm. or yeah. who go to, you know if they go sort of two three up then teams just think oh well let's just hold it to this you know let's almost roll over and play dead so I, I think that City's that City's problem in that almost they, they don't well yeah they don't have enough difficult games uh, I mean that's not a stage that we have reached yet certainly not you know teams will still come against us and make it difficult and work hard whereas it's against City because they're so good they all, they've almost negated teams doing that to a large degree and I, I think the, like I say the flip side of that is when they come up against a team who doesn't just roll over they can find it hard to actually uh, to cope with that you know to cope with that as, a, as an idea for them to face I said before we started recording this I, I think they hate being 1-0 up and well, it's that that reason. See, if the one they scored it, like, so many goals in the first twenty minutes, which normally they go and get two, three before half time. But if they're one nil up, and it's for a while, they become frustrated, and not that they don't know what to do because they clearly do. But they have only got one way of doing things. You don't see something different. It'll like it'll always be get it out wide to Sane or lead a shooter put it into the box and Silver or Aguero somebody will be there to to just tap it in so I think and the defence isn't great so you saw it against Newcastle the other night there were chance Newcastle didn't have any chances in the first half but there were moments where you're like if these have a go here mm-hmm. they, they will get it like there was the Perez one which he put miles wider after the Lowe's mistake but I think the defence switches off because City have always on the front foot but they get bored of being 1-0 up they just want to batter teams Matt even if Liverpool had won on Wednesday night obviously the gap would have been 7 but I think we'd all would have said City aren't out of it just yet it actually turned out to be a really good night for Tottenham they find themselves 7 points behind Liverpool can we rule Tottenham out or are they still in the race for me I think we can rule them out just because their squad isn't the same uh, isn't at the same level as, as Liverpool and Manchester City. Um, obviously, seven points as well, with 14 games left. That's quite a 
a big, sizable gap to overcome. They've still not got Harry Kane. I know uh, Son's back now, but Kane and Ali, big misses for them. Um, I don't think they'll be a million miles away. And I think, you know, we've still got to play them at Anfield. That'll be a really tough game. But I just think they're slightly too far behind and without the players in their squad capable of, of turning that around at this stage of the season. But that's not to say they're not a good team. Um, they've done really well this season. Obviously, Pochettino's done a great job. And for them to even be in the conversation is, uh, is a credit to them. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Tottenham, one of the big teams yet to come to Anfield along with Chelsea. And just to, to round kind of round off this section where we've been talking about the atmosphere on Wednesday night, if you look at those seven games you were talking earlier about, Paul, I think the five are against Bournemouth, Watford, Burnley, Huddersfield and Wolves the last day. Let's be positive. What happened on Wednesday with the crowd being very anxious, very nervy? Us guys have talked about it, as I say, I think all our pod- podcasts this week have talked about it. It's, it's definitely been talked about it online. Virgil van Dijk's come and talked about it. Could it actually be a good good thing that that's happened on Wednesday? The fact that, well, let's face it, the, the lead's been extended. There was something not quite right. For those games we've just talked about there, it, it should be different. It should be different. I don't know how many people listen to this who go the match, but for those who do, just have a word with, even if it's one person you go the game with, who can then pass that on, just... Spread the message of stay calm, really. I think Bournemouth will be different to Rome because they're a nice team to play against. Like, you wouldn't be surprised if that was a 3-0 job, a kind of nice, easy afternoon. But the Huddersfield... In the, sorry, the the Leicester game the other day, they are a team who will come and frustrate, and they, had, they are hard to break down. They've got Johnny Evans and Maguire are both great, by the way, didn't they? But... Would you have would you have would you have Maguire? No, 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 not really. <laughs> Joe Gomez and Virgil Van Dijk. I like him. He's a I good, like he's Maguire. Good. I think he's good. Not oh, I, he's he's not he's not good enough for Liverpool. Mm. But um, yeah, looking looking at those fixtures, and I think only one of them is going to be. We've got Wofford's a Wednesday night. They're the they're the ones. It's those midweek ones where which could like be the frustrating evenings. At, don't think it helped that it was absolutely freezing the other night. No. <laughs> Not that they didn't want to be there, but it wasn't one of them where you could get up for it because you were. It was. I had three layers on, four layers on. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, Bournemouth at home, everyone just gets behind them and just proves that if you do it right, nobody can touch us. Neil, West Ham away next Monday night. For my money, a bit like a Leicester. Uh, you know half decent team have pulled a few results out of the bag particularly at home this year I think they've beat United and Absolutely. Arsenal there I think they drew with Chelsea but they've had a bit of a bad run looks like Arnautovic has thrown his toys out the pram hasn't he but now got a new contact after that what do you make of this game on Monday uh, I mean I, th- I think we'll win I, I don't I don't have any worries about that I think um, there was a spell a few years back where West Ham always seemed to be a bit they were becoming a bit of a bogey team but I don't think that's the case anymore no, I think it's four four goal wins on the bouncer this yeah, going think, into this one against them um, I think we're too strong for them the, the only perhaps slight concern is like you said about Bournemouth you know they're a team I mean they are a team under Eddie Howe who will just come and play but if other teams who perhaps would have taken a more 
open approach, if you like, or we're at home, we have to go for it. Instead, decide to think they don't like it when it stays nil-nil. They don't like it when um, things are tight and it, they get a bit nervous. So let's just keep it tight. Let's, you know, whether teams that perhaps wouldn't have done will now set out to spoil. I'm not, I'm not sure if they would have that in them to be able to do it. But I think, yeah, I still think we'll win. I think we're, we're too good for them. I, I, what you said about the about teams Liverpool not liking it when it's nil nil. I don't think it actually bothers the players because look at the amount of one nil wins we've had this season, and a few of those goals have been late or off from the spot or whatnot. It's the fans that don't like it being nil nil more than the players. If this was a, if Monday night was at Upton Park, I would be worried. But that London stadium, it's soulless, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's soulless, and they do not. I don't think West Ham fans or players enjoy it. The the fans are miles away from the pitch. <laughs> you don't feel like you're watching a football game there it's weird it's a big pitch as well isn't it I think down yeah. there so that should suit us they do have one or two threats I've been impressed actually with Felipe Anderson yeah, yeah, good player. Season. yeah. Um, and as you said Marco Arnautovic as well but I think if they do come out and play as you say that'll absolutely that should suit us down to the ground stay with you Matt uh, a lot of people were talking about Naby Keita it's almost like he's been done to death now on our podcast on the main Blood Red podcast uh, again I didn't think he was particularly pulled up any trees on, on Wednesday night but I know someone you wanted to talk about Paul was uh, was Shaqiri mm-hmm. I think everyone agrees bargain by really good signing but Matt do you think he's better actually coming off the bench than starting games for me yeah I think we've seen it a couple of times this season now where he's not really got into the game. I think particularly against Leicester, he didn't He didn't seem to stay in his position. He seemed to be going around, roaming around the pitch, trying to get on the ball. Um, and sometimes you just want him to sort of stay in the position that he's asked to play um, and not kind of get frustrated that he's not seeing too much of the ball. Um, I think he's one of those players where there'll, there'll be games where he can start and he can make an impact. But more often than not going forward I'd prefer to have him as an option off the bench even if it's just you know the last half an hour we need someone just as a roll of the dice just to say something different something that we've not got I think he's proved a number of times this season that he can be that player well um, what you just said about his position I mentioned I was listening to one of our podcasts a few weeks uh, the other day after I texted you about Shakiri as well and um, I used the words, he was just playing somewhere. I didn't know where he was playing. It was, can't remember the game. He was just somewhere. And I then take, I, I, I just had a look the other day at his numbers from this season. And Christian Walsh has got a theory that he is better from the bench because he'll just sit and watch the game. And that kind of makes sense because. He, 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 he'll be when he's starting he'll be watching the game on the pitch but if you look at his numbers they all come in the second half so it takes him 45 minutes to get get up to speed with that game and in games you get like the likes of Leicester you can't you can't have a passenger for the first half and then for them to come to life in the second half I'm, I'm not worried about him because he's a great player and he's a great player to bring off the bench but the other night you were looking like I'd love Shakiri to come on here. No, when when he was going off, and it was Lalana. Like, oh, that's not that's not great. I think hopefully Klopp will realise that he is more useful coming off the bench, and he will score goals off the bench. He's done it 
United twice and whoever. I think no, all of his goals have been in the second half, haven't they? I think yeah. yeah. I don't think it helped the Kaiser play next to him because both of them are forward thinking and don't really have a standout position. They're just in the midfield somewhere. So we'll see. There might be games this season. Well, another another uh, one was Southampton at home, three 0 up at half time, but and he hit the bar from the free kick and whatnot. But apart from that, everyone was like, and Klopp dragged them off mm-hmm. at half time, didn't he? And it was like, yeah, I was just a bit mad. Can't be having that. So maybe just bring him off on from the bench, give him half an hour, thirty five minutes every game, and let him just score goals from the bench because he will do that. Neil, if Shakiri wasn't to start games, how would you line up? In that midfield, go back to a four-three-three rather than this two-three-one formation. I think so, yeah, I think without him, there's no, there's no choice but to do that. And then it's a question of what you do at the front three, because Salah clearly is is playing through the middle now. So who play who plays right and left? You know, does Mane go left and Firmino right? Well, it's in, you know the only reason Mane would go left was because Salah was on the right. So I'd play. But then, I, I don't know, it kind of unbalances it a bit. Uh, I think you have to go back to 4-3-3, but then it's... it's well, you diff- play Firmino if... Yeah, it's difficult to see how Firmino fits into that system. Liverpool's best performance this season, Bournemouth away. Midfield, Wijnaldum, Keita, Firmino. Keita had a position where he had to play. Brilliant. Everyone come out that ground that day and all over social. Wow, that midfield three was great. Don't think it's happened since. Try it. West Ham right. on Monday night could be the perfect time to try it. Give Kay, give Kayser a run because you can you can play him left wing, drop him, or or then play him with Chikiri. That's not helping him. Play him in his position in a set of midfield three and just let him go. Does he need games? Oh, does, does, does he deserve a run though? You know, is is the margin for error there? Can you carry a player who's, who's still feeling his way in? It's I mean, it's hard to. <laughs> It's hard to do, isn't it? Like like we said earlier, you know, the margin is so small at the top. It's amazing that we're still only five um, ahead and not, you know, seven, eight, or nine. Um, but I, I think I think go for it. I think give him a run because um, he was boss in Germany. He was really good in Germany, and he even though he has clearly he's not settled as people would hope. He's had time now, so he's had time to adjust to a new club, new way of doing things, learn the new system, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, playing out on the left wing doesn't do him any um, doesn't do him any favors. So yeah, if if we put Shakiri off and go back to the three, he could be the one um, that makes a difference. I mean, in the, last season it wasn't so much of a problem because in that attacking midfield linking with the front three um, structure, we had Oxley Chamberlain who made that role um, his own. So that I think is what someone you know it's what Kaita needs to look at and what Klopp needs to say to him is you know do like he did you know you break from midfield mm-hmm. you're the one who plays the um, the final pass through to Firmino or Salah or whoever and you're the one who mops up when the balls come you know when the balls come back out he was, sorry go on there. no I was just going to say he seems eminently capable of doing that because yeah, he's not your traditional number 10 either is he Oxley no. Chamberlain no but what you got to remember with Kater as well he was great on the opening day against West Ham mm-hmm. he was I think he got man the match and he's not he's not a terrible player, like some people seem to want to say on social media and whatnot. There's been glimpses of like, oh he's a good player then. It just takes time. It happens. Crack on and see like it could take until next season. But you've just gotta try it. Try him in his right position at one point. 
and it'll work. I think it's a confidence thing for him at the moment. He just he doesn't seem to have quite clicked into gear. The way that when he was at Leipzig, we saw him take risks, try and beat his man. You know, he's, he seemed to be doing quite a lot of the safe balls against Leicester. And it, it might just be a performance where something just clicks. He tries something, it comes off for him. And if Martin Atkinson had pointed to the spot as yeah. he should have done against it's a great Leicester, shout. that could well have been that moment. It's the classic, like when a striker's going through a bad run, he just go off his bum and go yeah. into the net. But that could have been like a turning point for him. And I felt for him when he, he got hooks on Wednesday because I'd user at the game watching it from home. When he seen his number come up, he was just like not not angry, but he knew, and he just need just something needs to change for him, doesn't it? Maybe Monday's the game. Yeah, I hope. Fingers crossed. Like, I, I still don't know why he didn't have a shot on uh, Wednesday night like, with his left or whatnot. But yeah, I'd start him on Monday night in that midfield with Fabinho and Wijnaldum, like I said. And just, at the end of the day, there's a reason we paid so much money for him. Like Fabinho, people were writing Fabinho off because he weren't getting game time. People seem to be writing catered off because he hasn't been played in the correct position. People, people were writing for me now. Well, well, yeah, 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 definitely. Play, play the player in the position that he wants to play or is suited to play, and it'll just happen. Think the good footballers at the end of the day. It is the kind of like time we live in now, isn't it? Like one performance, you can get written off. You know, it, it, I don't know whether maybe it is. It, it all builds up. I don't think Liverpool alone in the respect that fans can. You know, it, it seems harsher. Or is that, am I being kind of like trying to reminisce for the day when it wasn't like that? I don't know, but it just feels like it's the money, you, isn't it? Yeah. Like because you're paying X million for players, and it's like oh, the the worth twenty million. You should hit the ground running. It's not going to happen all the, all the time. So here's the other thing about the midfield, though. It's mad just how how key uh, Wijnaldum has become. Yeah, you know, at the start. he was great. The other I would, I would never have said that at the start. And on on Football Manager, he's always on the one that I always looked <laughs> to shift out because he was just, he just never thought of him as being anything. But it's ridiculous the extent to which he has come into his own and and become like a, a an absolute key man. Um, I think the the only thing is about that is he is great, but his strengths are very much in continuity, aren't they? He's he's, I mean, he can do it. But it's like the role he's given doesn't allow him to um, to break forward or to make those runs. I remember he did it in um, was it Torino in pre-season. He had a really good game doing that, like breaking into the box. Was it Torino he played? At he Anfield? did. He did very um, much did that for Newcastle, didn't he? If I remember um, rightly. Yeah, well, he scored ten goals in a season, yeah. didn't he, for Newcastle, including four in one game. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. But speak of another midfielder. Uh, before we wrap up, Jordan Henderson. I think you were saying, Matt, before this his 300th Premier League game if he starts on Monday and Klopp kind of in his press conference, not gave a defence of him, but just said, shows you how important he is that he's played under, played under me and played under so many other managers for that. Played it right back on Wednesday. Uh, it divides opinions, not least in this room. <laughs> but you, you talk there, Neil, about Wijnaldum and we've all kind of agreed how big a player Fabinho's coming. Do you think it may, it may have to be like more of a squad role for him now in the in the future? I think possibly it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer in terms of the the captaincy. Um, I know Klopp was always very um, very loyal um, to players, and in um, in Dortmund he was probably too loyal. Where some of his players got a bit too old, but he still played them. So I I can't see him changing it. But yeah, I think he sh- he should have um, a squad role because it's seemingly that's how you get the best out of him. Because if he has to play all the time, he gets injured. Um, that's what's happened in the the previous few seasons so keeping him fresh is a is a good thing I, I like him 
Um, you know, I think he is a good player and a good player to have. I think he moves the ball well, although um, Fabinho looks like a, a step up, like a mark up on him in that uh, in that role. So we'll see what he'll play. But I, I still like him. I think he's a good player. I think he works really well, actually, alongside Fabinho as well. I know last time I was in here, we were talking about one or the other, and I said Fabinho at that point had had overtaken him. But we've seen with this four-two-three-one, we can play them both together, and that's worked as well. Certainly got options in midfield, but just before we do finish, uh, transfer window's been and gone, as we said, but we talk about Shaqiri there. Do you think that extra forward will come in this summer? Because I know nearly you were talking about Germany there, and I spoke to a guy who's a Bundesliga presenter for one of our podcasts, and he was he's a Liverpool fan as well, and he was talking about Timo Werner. The club probably around this time last year said no there was no interest in him but there doesn't seem to be smoke without fire the reports coming from Germany he sounds like a good fit do you think that's what Klopp probably needs in the summer whatever happens in the title race another forward another versatile forward I think whoever it is he'll he'll have to do that because storage will go I think I can't see him giving him another contract Um, I think Origi will probably go he's out of contract this year is he or one year left maybe maybe. Um, so almost certainly he will go um, so then um, you know you've got Rian Brewster who will come back from injury but it's asking a lot to expect him to step up so we will get someone um, so yeah I think he'd be a, he would be a good fit because he's a sort of dynamic all action forward but the, the great thing about Liverpool and this recruitment team is you already know they'll have the, the plan and they'll have the, the work done on the player they want and it even though Werner is like the, the hot name, it wouldn't necessarily be him who will be the one that they um, that they bring in. You know, the, they are very good at identifying um, talent that are the best fit. And it's not necessarily the biggest name or the most exciting player. It's the one who can do the job, like Shakiri has done for the, the investment we've made in him. So, yeah, I think we'll definitely have another forward in the, um, in the summer. I think we could probably, well... We'll probably have two full-backs. I think we'll have a left-back and a right-back um, this summer, would you say? Well, I think James reported something a few months ago that Adam Lewis is going to be brought up next. Mm, from when next. I've seen him, yeah. he's a really good player. Yeah, he likes Klopp, really likes him, apparently. So he's going to be the understudy to Robinson. Interesting. Uh, which could, it could save Liverpool a few million. But it could. I think we'll probably... We'll also have a... I think Min, Mignolet will probably go... <laughs> So we'll have another goalkeeper. To, so there'll be quite a few in and out. Yeah, it could be a busy summer this this summer. Um, so it'll be it will be interesting to see. Regard, hopefully, they'll be coming into the to join the champions. Fingers crossed. Before quickly, I give me thoughts on Werner. I just want to go back to Henderson quickly. You've been thinking all what to say. I thought I thought he was all right the other night, considering he was at to play it right back in there. But the the fact that he's come back into the team in the past month. And results have been like we've been grinding them out. There's there's no surprise as soon as he's come into the team, we're not as free flowing. And hopefully the club realises that and goes with the midfield three that I want. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, Mr. Clough. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on uh, on Werner, like I watched him in the World Cup and I, oh, I thought he's absolutely rubbish. Like for the striker with so much talk and hype about him he just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net he had chances well, but you wonder if it was a bigger thing with Jeremy with Jeremy yeah, maybe yeah. that could be the case and it just feels like the 
he probably would be great if he signed for us. It's like the way he, we're being linked with him, it feels like Torres all over again. Like he's at that age where he's just going to explode. If he if he's going to explode, it's going to be now. And similar to with Torres, we I think they're around similar ages. So maybe if we go and at the end of the day, Klopp knows his game of football and knows if a German player will fit into the into the Premier League. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll be back before that Bayern Munich game, but uh, there's a big week of Premier League action again. It's just remind me, make sure I've got this right. Liverpool Monday away at West Ham, which we know, then Bournemouth on Saturday. City got Arsenal at home on Sunday, Everton away on Wednesday, and then Chelsea at home. Is it the is it the following Sunday? It's a big week, isn't it? Big ten days coming up here. City will win one. Out of the three, they'll win at Arsenal against Arsenal. Everton will surprise a few, I think. I can know it. <laughs> that is a massive shot. More I, than a few. The, the reason <laughs> being, I remember in uh, 2014, everyone was talking about oh, Everton through the game and whatnot. They didn't. Man City were just good. It was a good game, wasn't yeah, it? And yeah. I remember there was something with the crowd and Sylvan Distan come out after him and was like, don't, don't be thinking about Liverpool. We're professional footballers. We want to win the game. And at the end of the day, Silva, he got his win the other night. I think Wolves will be tricky for Everton and I think that that City game will feel like a must win for Marco Silva and I can't see him being like oh let's affect Liverpool I don't think he's that kind of manager and then I think Chelsea will get something just because of how desperate they are and Hazard's being criticised the last few days there's a big game coming up in Hazard's one of the best players in the world he'll turn up Equally as confident that uh, City could be dropping big points I think so. Um, I didn't realise that City had Arsenal and Chelsea both at home. Yeah, I think they bookend the weeks, don't they? Yeah, with Everton um, away in the middle of it. Um, yeah, I mean they're, they're both games that I think they will find uh, they'll find tricky. Um, you know, at least in both those, you'd say they probably. I think this week City will definitely drop more points. Um, I'll go with that. I'm not sure if they'll get beat, but I, I would be surprised if they won all three. I think they'd drop points. Um, so if they, I don't know, if they won one and drawn two, that would still do. Um, that would still do for me. That's what I think will happen, won one. I think they'll get five points out of the, ne- the next three. Kind of on the lines, Matt, doesn't it? What we've been saying throughout this podcast, that stay calm. <laughs> five points yeah. clear at the top. Yeah. And you, the greatest respect in the world, looking at this next week, City are the ones who've, who've got the tougher games. Yeah, I think we have a tendency sometimes to forget that Manchester City can lose points as well. We've dropped points, so... Why can't they? They've they've dropped more than we have this season. So yeah, as you say, fourteen games to go. Um, we've got every chance. I think it's a good uh, position to end this podcast on. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks' time after the West Ham and Bournemouth games and before the Bayern Munich one, and we'll see where Liverpool are then. Thanks very much. No worries. Hope the Reds. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.